Yo, 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 Thought Warriors, can you believe we are coming up on two years of higher learning? Two years of random van-inspired questions. Two years of big rage popping off. And most of all, two years of you, our amazing Thought Warriors that keep challenging and inspiring us every single day. That's why we're officially granting the higher learning hang, okay, exclusively for our LA-based fans. If you haven't moved out to LA yet, don't. Keep the 405 clear. Follow our Higher Learning Instagram page at Higher Learning and check out the IG story with full details on how you can link up with us. Y'all know y'all can listen to Higher Learning free only on Spotify, but now you can subscribe to our new Higher Learning YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash Higher Learning to watch behind the scenes content and more celebrating this special two year anniversary. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I'm Sean Fennessy, and this is the Prestige TV Podcast. Today, we're talking about the eighth and final episode of the third season of Barry, and we're doing so with the star and co-creator of the show, Bill Hader. Let's dive in. We're back. We're back with Bill Hader. We're talking about the season finale of season three of Barry. Bill, how are you feeling? Are you excited to talk about this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is an uplifting episode. Heartwarming. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wholesome. Very heartwarming, very <laughs> funny episode of television. <laughs> uh, you did warn us last week that this yeah, would be I did tell you guys intense. Very intense. Yeah. Um, you were right. Yeah. Uh, I want to start with this. I've gotten the sense that you have become a little bit bored by the idea of conventional cliffhangers. Is that fair to say? Um, I don't think about it too much. I think, oh, meaning like in what way, like the Albert thing or just every, just, I think just every episode, but more specifically how this season ended. Yeah. I felt like, well, this could be the end of the show. You know, if you wanted it to be, you could say this story is over. I don't think I mean, it is. We can go through every character. Because, well, well, there's so much, in my mind at least, like unresolved. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But um yeah, I don't yeah, I, I, I never thought of it that way. It's interesting. Yeah, no. I think probably cuz we're writing season 4. Yeah, I, I don't I I just look at 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 the last episode of season 3 and go, "Oh, I see that's now this and that's leading to that and that's leading to this." And, as a viewer, it did feel like you put, I don't want to say that, that any characters have like a emotional satisfaction or clarity necessarily, but there is like an escape or like a, a, a kind of finality to a couple of circumstances. At least I felt that way while watching it. So I was, I was trying to figure out like, you know, you don't, maybe you don't necessarily know that four is definitely going to happen when you're concluding three. And do you try to make sure that you're putting a bow on anything when you're telling the story? But well, it sounds we like it was maybe the opposite. Yeah, no, because we're writing season so we were writing season four during the pandemic and then went back into season three. So this episode and the episode last week, I was actually looking at my files were written in August of 2020. I wrote those in August, 2020, and then would kind of give them to the writers for feedback, but we were writing season four and then kept going back to season three to change stuff. And then, so much stuff changed in season three that episodes seven and eight, there were some tentpole moments left, but a lot of it was just kind of thrown out. And then I kind of went in and, and would talk to the writers, basic things and go back and rewrite it and then show it to them, rewrite some more. Um, but yeah, they were really surprised by some of the stuff in this episode. I remember there, and but everyone felt it was right, you know. So this season, more than I think the first two, is very bleak. There are some f- very funny, memorable moments, but it is you know not just intense, but I think there is a kind of real reckoning with life and death and how you've spent yeah. your time and yeah. you know, every I mean, character is really at this tough point at the end of the series. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's yeah. I mean it's that's life. <laughs> Was was what was going on at that time when you were writing in August 2020? Was that like informing? You think what where these Maybe. characters ended up going? It could have been. It could have been. But I also feel like when you do a show about someone who murders somebody, if you don't go bleak, you're not being honest. And if you have a character like Sally, who's the victim of domestic violence, and her dealing with her own inner violence, like if you don't go bleak, then I don't. You know what I mean? That it, this is just where it's headed you know if you put if you made this stuff with with the you know uh noho hank and cristobal um funny it doesn't work it it's to me it's like um it has to be noho you know the thing i said about this episode is kind of you know noho hank and and sally had to face their own inner violence and they perpetrate violence and, but as a way of, um, you know, saving themselves or saving the person they love, you know? And also Sally's thing is so deeply inherited from her past that she's not just killing the guy, she's killing, (laughs) you know, everything that's happened to her, you know, it's very much kind of, and so in a way she, she has that, but now she, like Hank, kind of have Barry's disease now. 
you know, it's like, what, what is that? How is that going to change them? And to, to me, it, the whole episode is kind of really signified in that close up of Sarah Goldberg after she kills the guy. That to me is the, that's the image for the, 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 the episode, but kind of like what everybody's going through, you know? Uh, and I don't know, I just like can't really intellectualize it, but it just is a feeling that when we shot that close up of her, I found it really kind of just transcendent and, I just was like, yeah, that that's it, you know. And I was hoping yeah. you could talk about that whole bit, like that whole series of of encounters where she, you know, you, your character discovers her in his apartment, and then the the biker gang member breaks in. I mean, yeah, uh, like that. Where, where did the idea for all of that come from, and what was it like to shoot such a? I mean, the show is very violent his, often, but this was a different level of uh, physical violence. I yeah. Felt like. Well, you didn't want it to be like, it couldn't be exciting. Like episode six, it couldn't be, you know, it has to be real lack of music, you know, and, and, and shoot it in a very simple way. Um, but, and, and try to shoot it honest, you know, that, that was the thing is you didn't want to make it. I think some people read it and they could see it as like a, um, with her, with Sally and Hank is kind of like their, uh, you know, someone said their Rambo moments and it's like, no, 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 it's, it's like, um, it's trauma. You're watching trauma. You're not watching, you know, something badass, you know, it's trauma. And the scene with Barry at the, at the tree with Albert, that's two people with trauma you know, uh, the garage with, you know, uh, Jim Moss and, and Kusno, it's all trauma. And yeah, maybe that is like the way the world's happening. And like, look, it's still, I mean, we're recording this. There's like a new mass shooting every day. I mean, it's a, a thing that you don't want to be really, um, didactic and clearly have some sort of an agenda. You just are trying to write a thing and go, well, this is, I'm just trying to portray this as honest and truthful as possible, you know, and, and have fun. You, you, you know, you have these other things like the, you know, uh, motorcycle chase and, and you have funny moments and, and things like that. But it felt like the show wanted to end on this kind of a note, you know? And so um, that scene with Sally and the guy in the, it, it, the irony is it's Anthony Molinari, who is one of the nicest human beings on the planet. And, and Wade Allen, our stunt coordinator, I kind of told him what I wanted and then he choreographed it with them and they were just fantastic together. So the real irony, like all these, when you shoot a scene like that, it's very weirdly kind of like laid back and everybody's making jokes and going like, Oh, that looks great. Yeah. Let's try that. You know? And, and, um, but then when it's ready to go, uh, he, he and, uh, and Sarah especially were just incredibly focused and, and, uh, and, and understood it. There wasn't a lot of direction. I think the only direction I gave to 
Anthony was when he was choking her. I was like, hey, you're choking her. And this is, it's a bygone conclusion that you're going to kill her. So I want, when you're choking her, try to be thinking, okay, well, I got to kill her. Now, what do I do with him? This is nothing to you. You know, you, you've done this before, you know? And, and it's the kind of uh, lack of empathy, lack of respect for life that, um, that you wanted to kind of show, you know? Um, and so, yeah, we just took it, you know, shot for shot. I store, I photo boarded the whole thing cause we had to move kind of fast. And then in the writing stage, I had this idea of a phone of, of a booth, a vocal vocal booth and the door closing and the sun, the sound cutting out again, I can't intellectualize it, but it's just, it gives you a feeling that is, um, I watch that and I go, oh, we've lost her or something's now escaped from, from Sally. She's never going to be the same after this. You know, it's not a heroic moment, but we hopefully understand why it happens, you know? Um, and so, and it's a thing, a cycle, uh, that is, have been happening since the beginning of time. And, possibly always going to happen. <laughs> so it's a thing that uh, clearly on some level is a thing I'm fascinated by and incredibly sad about, you know? Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I just felt that moment with her was really important. Um, and then when you, you get to that close up of her, which actually was an added shot, we shot it and she, that's her first take. And I just said, just, just answer, you know, just, just getting a, you know, she just got in a place and I'm just improvising. Like, look, I, you know, I think the line I did this was scripted. Everything after that, like, I'm going to leave, like, you got to go, you know, say Barry did this, say it, you know, repeating it and stuff. We just kind of, that is all just kind of improvised. And so we shot that and it was really great. <laughs> and Carl Hurst, your DP said, Oh, Hey, there was like a, a flare on the lens. Like there, there was a, the, the, there's a buzz on the lens with focus. I think we got to go again. I go, oh, Sarah, we got to go. Again. <laughs> she was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I, we did it two more times and it just, she was like, this isn't the same. I was just like, I really was there, man. And then I went over to the monitor and watched it and I was like, where's the buzz on the lens? And Carl was like, right there. And it was like, I don't see anything, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was just like, Oh my God. You know? So, and then, you know, where the knife stuck into the guy, everybody thought that was really funny when he came in with the knife and everybody was like, Oh my God, you know, and all that. And, um, it was weirdly, yeah, because it was a dark scene. I think it people try to keep it light while you're shooting it. One thing I noticed during that scene is something that I feel like you've done a few times this season is you made me feel like the character was going to die. You know, oh, the same yeah. way when when Fuchs got shot, when uh, Gene was being chased by Barry. Mm-hmm. You know, even even a couple of Barry's encounters, I'm like. Is one of the are one of these characters going to die? And even though the show has been about murder in the past, I never felt like mortality was necessarily so on the surface. Yeah, I mean, it's a kind of again, it's a, sh- a show about a murderer, so it's like it kind of lends itself. It kind of it kind of lends itself to that. This, it's not a conscious thing that you 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 know, like the beginning when when Fuchs gets shot, it's like 
we're writing that. I remember writing that with Duffy Boudreaux, and it's like, okay, he's given the information. What would happen? I remember Duffy said, they'd probably shoot him. You know what I mean? They don't want him around. You know? And and so once you've established that someone is a certain way, if that guy is going to walk into a room with, with Barry and Sally, he's going to kill both of them. So it's just like a far-going far conclusion, you know? And, and, and the kind of... Uh, the, the idea between those two people of like all, all the vengeance army, how different they all are. It was important to me to show that here's all these people, but there are just psychos out there. And so you also have to have just a straight up psycho who has, does not give a shit. And we don't know where it comes from. We <laughs> just, they're evil, you know? And in my opinion, that person needs to be, gone <laughs> you know and sally does it but kind of like destroys her own humanity in doing it you know and so that that was what was important it's such a fascinating contrast to the encounter between albert and barry where you know albert literally says to him you know i know evil and you're not evil but this has to stop yeah he doesn't know him, but yeah, or or does he? Yeah, I mean, it's this idea of Barry finally gets forgiveness. That was what that scene was. It was like, this is what he's wanted all season, and he finally gets it. And he goes into this. Um, that was a weird thing that happened, because initially that scene was a, like a dialogue scene. And it was kind of like the scene at the tree at the end of episode one with, with Barry and Cousineau. And it was very much a dialogue scene. And then the more we had Barry talking, the it it became very melodramatic, very on the nose, kind of, you know. It, but the idea was that consciously, that you know, this this whole thing started with Albert. He was defending Albert in war and he killed a guy. And now Barry on some level knows it's gonna end with this guy you know, and kind of purposely had Barry in the same position that the guy that he killed in season two, the innocent Afghani guy they killed. It's the same kind of thing. Um, and then a thing happened when we were shooting it was that when he pulled the gun on me, I just started screaming like that. And, and, uh, and Duffy Boudreaux came over after that take and went, Oh, that's really cool. It's like, he's a child. He, he, he's a, he's a scared little boy. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, but again, it's just very intuitive. So he went, that's, I think that's cool, man. And then Gavin Kleintop, the first AD was like, dude, I dug that scream. I'm not, I don't think I wasn't expecting that. You know, I think everybody's expecting you to like figure out how's he going to get out of this and everything. And instead you, you see that, no, he's not Jason Bourne or, you know, some mastermind. He's a, a, a scared child, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's trying to figure himself out and in doing it. Um, he's gotten, and then he gets the forgiveness and it's kind of the worst thing that could have happened to him. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, someone trying to give him back his humanity and say like, I have a daughter. And if I didn't, if it wasn't for you, this, my daughter wouldn't be alive. So it's the same weird cycle of things that have been happening through history. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, you killed this, you, you know, you avenged me and you did this thing, but then if you hadn't done that, this never, you know what I mean? And, um, but 
I don't I will know. Say if it, it, it felt like an echo too of the conversation with Ryan's father from the previous episode yeah. too. The idea of like the parent and seeing the world yeah. through the eyes of the child that you have and every decision you make reflecting on that. Yeah, it's this idea of um, if you hadn't saved my life, my my kid, I wouldn't have this kid. That's like the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And so, you know, whoever can do that can't be an evil person. And so Barry's giving back his humanity. And then I find it funny. I don't think anybody else finds it funny, but I think it's really funny that then the next scene, he immediately goes <laughs> to kill Jim Moss. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's the same thing. You've just been given this amazing thing. And like, you know, Fuchs, you know, seeing the thing in episode six of, of the, you know, the article and taking off in the guy's truck and, you know, Sally seeing Natalie, like doing her, uh, running her writer's room you get incensed and you make really you make the same dumb terrible mistake over and over i wanted to ask you about that because you know the the reason he goes to kill jim is because jim calls him right you know i mean if 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 jim doesn't call him and if gene doesn't set him up what happens to Barry? I was thinking about this because I think that this idea of the, the past haunts you is a big part of the season, but yeah. could he have put his life together if that didn't happen? Well, he would have gone to Sally's apartment and she wouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. So he probably would have gone looking for her and felt, you know, sad. And, you know, he would have figured it out on some level. You know, these two people he cares most about in the world is Kusno and Sally. And he really thinks they both love him so much. And at the end of this episode, they both fucking bail on him because they don't love him because he's like a monster. <laughs> and, but he, he doesn't see that, um, you know, in his mind, they're both coming to him for help. Sally's saying, Hey, we got to take care of Natalie. And he's going, no, no, you don't want to like, ah, oh, God, you know, we, we have this bond, you know, and Kusno, is you know he calls Kusno and he's like Barry, I'm gonna do something really stupid, and it's like oh God, I'm you know in Barry's mind he's that friend you know, but with Kusno it's a little different because he's so angry with him that Kusno has a gun and he's gonna be this tough guy. It's like he's he's so angry because you know he's just been given his humanity back and he's just learned this big lesson and now it's his time to impart it on Kusno. And then Kusno says, he, Jim knows you killed Janice. And so now it's self-preservation. Now it's like Barry, at the end of the day, he only fucking cares about himself. <laughs> you know, because if he didn't fucking care about that, he'd be like, who cares? Let's get out of here. You know, I'll, if they arrest me, I'll figure it out or whatever. But it's like, well, I can't have that. So I got to go kill him, you know? And so again, it's, it's, if, if he had just gotten in his car and just driven out of Los Angeles, who knows what would have happened? <laughs> well, you said something so interesting, which is you just described him as a monster, Barry, the character that you play, that you created, that, you know, is, is the focus of a lot of your creative energies. And I definitely didn't think this at the beginning of the series, but it's becoming more and more apparent that it's not even that Barry is an anti-hero in the Tony Soprano mold, you know, like he's not somebody we necessarily root for. There kind of is no show without him, but I can't really think of another TV show 
There are some films, obviously. We've talked about some of those films in the past, the taxi drivers of the world, but there are very few TV series that are built around a character who you'd be like, this guy probably should just be killed. Like yeah, he's right. really hurting a lot of people here yeah, and is yeah. not redeemable. And I don't know if you guys talk about that in the room or if you've given that any thought to like who this person has become. Sometimes the writers will say that, but we always are just going, well, that's, that's him. Again, it's just being honest. You just don't want to like, like ability and all that stuff. What's honest? Like ability. Yeah. We can't think about that. He's a murderer. So I, I've never liked him. (laughs) But I, the whole point to me as, as an actor, but also as a writer was, was kind of going, well, where's the humanity in this guy? And what, where, where can you find, you know, like an actor, where's, where's the way into it that's interesting and different, you know? And, and I think so much of it is if you could make some of his feelings relatable and going like, well, he is just, you know, that guy that you went to high school with that it's, you would see him someplace and go, fuck, what is his name? I do. <laughs> I know you, you know? And it's like, hey, man, it's like, hey, how are you? You know, and it's you have that conversation the whole time. You're going, what is his name? You know, it's that guy, you know. <laughs> but also he might kill you. <laughs> yeah, then you find out those are the guys that you find out have, you know, bodies buried places, you know. And this is the one thing he's good at is, is killing people, you know. And, and he doesn't want it to be that way. And it felt like this season, it was for us to say yes. Um, and there, it's about consequences for that. You know, you, did, you didn't want to do a thing that was just kind of fun. And, um, you know, I, I'll say this, the, the very beginning of this, the very beginning of the season, I think I've said this a couple of times, first day we wrote on the board, Kuzno knows, you know, Sally gets her own show, very... Uh, you know, forgiveness, no Hank and Chris Ball are a couple. And then the, and then the last thing was, uh, Gene catches Barry, Barry, mm-hmm. the last thing Barry's caught. And Gene, Gene, you book in the season with Gene finding out and Barry throwing in the trunk of a car and, 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 and you leave it, you know, the initial end of that script you were with Barry the whole time. So he gets caught. And then it was, you're with him as the cops are bringing him outside and they're roughing him up a bit. And there's already like, you know, uh, you know, people, you know, looking and him getting and you're like, Oh my God, you know? Um, and then we looked, we were looking at that house, Jim Moss's house. And I saw that giant window and I went, Oh, this is actually way more interesting you make it about victims and you know, these people affected by violence Um, that, Oh, that could be interesting if it's him and Kusno out there and then they leave and then you, you have Jim and we're inside the house and you're sitting there watching him and there's a picture of Janice and it's like, yeah, you caught the bad guy. Yeah. You, you know, we, we avenged it, but he's still got to go inside that house (laughs) and he's going to be alone in that house. So does that, <laughs> does that matter? <laughs> you know, it was this feeling I had of, of, well, 
the person I have the most kind of I'm feeling for right now is Jim Moss. So it was, again, it's this instinctive thing. Your, your mind just starts to go to like what Robert wisdom's doing really interested in that. And so it's like, well, what if we end it with this image of him just alone and he's got to go inside the house, you know? And yeah. And you get the, I got the sense that he could have been standing outside by himself for hours. That could hours. have been a time, yeah, time it, lapse yeah. situation. He doesn't want to go back inside that house and uh, it's empty and it's empty because Barry, you know, it is just, again, it's like a feeling I've had other friends. I've like some friends say, I feel like you're, you know, the show is basically, you know, very much about kind of like what we've been living through <laughs> for the past couple of years. And, you know, I'm sure that all ends up in there, but it's not like on a conscious level or anything. It's it, it, but I'm sure it's, it's hard for that not to all show up in there. I have another friend who knows me really well from SNL days and he was watching this show and he goes, I feel like you're trying to make the whole world feel as anxious as you feel. (laughs) 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 And I go, you go, you know, and I was like, Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe maybe my brain just immediately goes to like, you know, it'd be awful right now is if the Taylor guy showed up and knocked Barry out and now it's Sally and just that guy, you know, and now it's like, or what would be terrible is if no Hank was tied up and a panther went loose on the other side and started eating his friends. (laughs) And (laughs) when we watched it, I showed it to the writers. And when the last episode, uh, Nikki Hirshhorn, um, used to be my assistant and now she's right on the show had a panic attack and then emma barry who i love is great it ended and there's a long pause and no one said anything after last episode and then she turned around and looked at me and duffy and went what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> well i mean there's a reason that i asked you like well, about when this was written specifically because it does well i want to talk about the noho hang thing but before that i mean the season itself does feel like how i think a lot of people felt myself included which was like a real desperation and aloneness i think is a lot of what yeah. 2020 2021 was like yeah and really barry's crazy isolation from humanity is this core theme of the whole series but this season in particular where it's like this guy has no human connections left yeah. and he can't even see that because he's deluded himself. Yeah. And, and so I'm not surprised that your friends are picking up on some views <laughs> from, from recent times, but yeah. uh, you should, you should, you should talk about the no Hank sequence. Cause we barely even mentioned him last time we talked and he's taken a little bit of a backseat the last couple of episodes. And this felt like your horror movie a little bit. Um, yeah. 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 So maybe you can talk about constructing this really terrifying scene. Yeah. So I think in the outline, it was just no Hanks in Bolivia and he's captured. And I think it was, he gets out of it somehow and saves Cristobal. And I can't remember what we had talked about, but I do know Liz Saranoff. Well, I'll go in order. So I was like, okay, we talked about him being chained up in a room and hearing the guys next door getting um attacked but we didn't know how and then this idea of a panther came to me kind of like we they talk about a panther earlier in the show and it's kind of again in my head was kind of this place of like no ho hank has to kind of you know face vengeance face 
violence in a way, the, the most core thing of it, but you don't see it, you know, but the big part about me is I never want to see the thing. It's all about what you're hearing and what's happening in his head. And, and so it makes it more of this kind of ethereal thing that then he has to actually like destroy, you know? And it's the first time he's killed anything on the show, you know? Um, and so having, so the way that that's a set made by Eric Schoonover. And what we had was we just had the other actors on the other side of the wall talking. And then we hired these two great actors and I was like, I'm so sorry, you're not going to be on camera. <laughs> but one of them had a chain and I held the other end of the chain and would run over and we recorded it wild, meaning it was just sound. There was no camera recording of them screaming. And then you do different levels of the screaming and, and, um, and then it was just kind of tracking it with the, the camera. So Anthony Kerrigan did such an amazing job in this scene. Cause he is reacting to nothing. He is, he is just, it's me walking him through it. It's me going, okay, they come in and now they're being attacked. They're being attacked, you know, and he is just, that's what he's reacting to. Um, and then it coming through the walls. So we had one wall that you, that dust would knock out of. We had to take that wall out. You put in a second wall and that wall, um, you could hit the back of it. We had guys behind there with hammers hitting the back of it. So the wall would start falling apart. Then you take that wall out and you put a third wall in and that one is all squibbed up. And so then he, when he shoots the wall, that is a composite shot. Anthony is not in that shot. We let off all the squibs, then put Anthony in, said pretend to shoot, and then we just laid them together. I, I thought it came out all right. And that was for his safety. But, and then Laura Hill added that panther, which I thought looked cool, and, and the light coming in. And then we added the blood slowly seeping in through the bottom, which I really liked. So, yeah, that was a tough scene because so much of it is in sound and and what you're not seeing. So when we shot it, it was, there was a lot of meetings about walls <laughs> and a lot of meetings of what are we seeing, what are we not seeing. I got asked maybe a hundred times, at what point do we see the panther? And I'm like, never. And then they, I show up and they're, they're like, okay, here's a guy with a, with a fake panther. And I'm like, we're never going to see it. <laughs> just no one believed me on it. I understand because they go, oh, directors say that. And then on the day they go, oh, we should see the panthers. So they, you know, production doesn't want to be caught with their pants down. So it turned into, uh, do you want to shoot a panther? Just no, I don't want to see it. I don't want to, I just, we're just going to hear it, you know? But this poor guy shut up with a fake panther, and I was just looking at him like, man, buddy, I'm so sorry. I mean, I hope you're getting paid, but like, we're never going to use you, <laughs> you know? Um, and then my favorite moment of that is I love uh, the closer shot of Anthony when he's pulling on the uh, pulling on the handcuffs, and we're going close, and mm -hmm. you see the wall falling apart behind him. I just thought that looked great. Um, and then, so he gets out. And then I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting if he came out and you realize you're in a mansion and you see the lights going off and what's happening and there's a mystery. And then 
um, when you look down the hallway, you see someone dancing and you don't know what it is. And this all, the idea of Cristobal having this weird like conversion therapy came from Liz Sarnoff. She was like, I think he, I think she should be given conversion therapy. Initially she was going to be administering drugs. And then I thought, Oh, she should be electrocuting him. Cause uh, that's just so much more vicious. Um, and then, uh, that shot moving down the hallway, um, that's one of my favorite shots of the season. I love that shot behind Noho, and you see the guy in the distance and it's shadowy just, figure. Oh, fat shadowy figure doing something. I really love that shot. Uh, if you're a fan of documentary now, we shot drones in the very same house, so it was very weird coming oh. back to that under different circumstances. From season one of Documentary Now, there's an episode where we make fun of Vice called Drones. And, yeah, you uh, <laughs> worked on that as well. So when we got there, we were like. I've been here before. <laughs> it was like, and the owner of the house was, was that like, also oh. about a cartel. Was that, that was about was a cartel? Yeah, it's this one. Yeah, right. yeah, and I we. Were, so you have your cartel location now. Our cartel location. So if you watch drones, you'll see it's the same house. Um, and then yeah, you know the scene with Critia, who plays um, Cristobal's wife and Michael Irby, and that wonderful actor who plays the stripper was very sweet and very. Uh, you know, patient. <laughs> I felt, and he was really funny. I like when he starts playing the piano, he's really weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but you know, she, you know, I, you know, I said to her, you know, this can't be played like evil. It, it's, it's like, you love him and this is your way of fixing him. You think this is going to fix him and you're hurt. And and, the, and it, yeah, it was just a very bizarre scene, but I, I thought the emotions were all right of it. And I really liked the moment when Hank shoots her and she goes out of frame and then, and then he takes her place, you know, in frame. That was very important. Um, and then they hug and then Hank gets that look on his eyes that, you know, I just don't think he's going to be the, the same. And, uh, you know, I, you know, that was the thing Anthony Kerrigan and I talked about. I go, you know, we could try different looks here. And, and, um, and he, you know, I go, yeah, I think just after what you've just been through, I don't think you got him back, but at what cost, you know, and it's the same as Sally, you know, and, um, so yeah, that was the, that was the way we did it. So you're working on four right now, season yeah. four. Does the, reception of a season influence you at all matter to you at all when you're working on an active season um it can if i like really engage with what people are saying you know i try not to look at it too much because then you know you get like you know after season two everybody was like oh so you're bringing back that karate girl, right? There's no way she's not, you know what I mean? And it was like, <laughs> what? how, why, how would she come back? <laughs> um, but it's kind of nice to be kind of insulated from some of that stuff because it doesn't really, um, it's, it's very, you know, it can be very nice and or frustrating when it's bad, you know? But um, I think I learned that at SNL is like, you know, SNL we used to go to the after parties and look on our phones at what they said and you would just get, you know, just eviscerated or, you know, you lived and died by every comment and, 
and I mean, and some of this was before Twitter. I mean, this is back when we were going to like IMDB boards and stuff, you know, and like, um, so I remember when Twitter happened, it was like, uh oh, this is like really terrible. It's like all comments. Um, but uh, so yeah, I think you know you you kind of try to balance it a bit. Sometimes people will send me things that are really nice, you know. Um, but um, and then the writers will love it when someone hates it and go, mm-hmm. oh my god, I guess what so and so said, and they think it's really funny. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just can't. I just, uh, I just have to focus on where the show is. Cause for all I know, season four will be very like, it's a totally different feel, you know, than this season, you know, but it, again, it's just trying to go to that. You're, you're creating something like this. You just want to be instinctual with it and kind of go, well, this is where it feels right to me and where the character should be going. But I feel like you're very human and practical about these things. And so if a jerk like me is like, Hey man, this was bleak. Like, mm-hmm. can, can, is that, you know, does that find its way seeping in? And do you find yourself like reacting against it or wanting and to lean even deeper into it? of bleak or different. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it is bleak, I guess, but I also just find it just, you know, I go, I, yeah, go watch the news. It's like not. Any That's true. Than That's that. fair. No, it's nowhere near as bleak as the news, <laughs> you know? That is, that um, is very true. I think by the standards of your, your prestige television show, you know, there's, yeah, there's yeah. not, you're not giving us a lot to, and frankly, I'm, I'm relieved by it. And I like it as you know, but I just think it's interesting that you're like, fuck it. I'm, we're, we're doing, we're making this real. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta be honest, man. You just gotta go with what feels like the honest thing. And, and it just goes to that place, you know? And, and if it's like this is where it's headed and you talk to the actors about it, it's not just me sitting there going, fuck it, everybody, this is where we're going. I remember Sarah Goldberg and I had a a talk about, you know, do you think, because there was some people in the writer's room saying, should she hit the guy with a bat? Should she stab him and run off? You know, should she call the cops? Should she do this? And and I talked to Sarah about it and she was like, there's no way I'm not beating that guy with a baseball bat. She was like, just everything I've been through, everything I've been through in my life, there's no way that's not happening. You know, (laughs) it was like, that's kind of how I feel too. I just wanted to see if we're on the same page here. You know what I mean? Or like with Anthony, like, are you comfortable doing, you know, and him going, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, Anthony's big thing was in reading it, it was like, this isn't like an action movie, is it? This isn't like supposed to be like everyone's cheering or something. And I, I was going, no, no, this is, it's, it's all just, it's trauma, you know? So you've directed the last couple episodes and it's been reported that you're directing every episode of the next season. Mm-hmm. which is something that, uh, you know, is really a big task. Um, I'm, is that your favorite thing to do on the show at this point? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I love acting, but I no, I really do love directing. I love the problem solving of it. And we have a pretty good team right now, you know, and, you know, we're able to get a lot done because so much of my directing is prep. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't really on the spot come up with stuff. It's all very, I mean, I've gotten a little bit better with it this season, you know, where it is a little bit more confident and comfortable going, I don't really know how we're going to cover beignets by Mitch. Let's see how it goes. You know, when you get in there and you go, it's two shots, uh, (laughs) you know, um, but 
other moments, you know, the, the garage scene with, with Kusno and, and Jim Moss, that was something where it was like, I think this should, that was written that way. It was all going to be this two shot that then pushes into a close up, and then both their faces just in the frame. And, and, um, I thought they were really good in that scene. And, and, um, you know, it's rough. It's, it's a tough thing to watch, but that, you know, all that is like thought out ahead of time. This has been a, se- a season of, I don't know, dryer esque close-ups, you know, the super intense right on the face. Uh, is that, wh- wh- where did that come from? I don't know. I wish I, I don't know. I, again, it, it, you just get there and it just, it's the feeling you just, I wish I, I mean, it's all in there. I've seen all those movies. It's all in there, but it's not like, Oh, let's do, there's like little moments where you'll say, Oh, remember the shot from cold war. So let's do that. in the scene, you know, like you'll have moments like that. But again, you just kind of like think of the scene and think of the intensity you want and just think of, um, again, it's, it, you know, it's, the emotion that the, the the characters are going through. Let me try to get that. What um what what's the, do you know the arc of Barry's story at this point? Because when we first started talking in the first episode, I think you didn't know anything about what you wanted to do with season three before you guys got the room together. Is that right? Yeah, and it was basically the same for season four. It's like we just sat down and went, "All right, so he's arrested. Um, <laughs> what do we do?" <laughs> Do you do you know how many seasons you want to do? Not yet, no. No, we're still messing with that. We're still trying to figure that out. But you know, right, I, I, I can only think of it like I said, I think before it's like scene by scene. It's just like just one scene at a time and you kind of see like where it kind of goes, you know. But every time we've had a scene, you know, the first season we had everybody went, This should just be the only season of the show. Like, that was great. Don't do any more. And we did a second season, and it was like it had a big cliffhanger, and still people were like, you know what? You don't need to do any more, <laughs> you know? So I feel like that's kind of what we always hear is, yeah, don't do any more. That's you how know? I opened this conversation. I was yeah. like, or, this could have been the end if you wanted it to be. Yeah, that's so funny you say that. Uh, I guess it could have been, but I think it would have been. I would have been bummed if that was the end. I just feel like there's too many other questions, you know. What did okay? Last question for you before we wrap this thing up. Um, what'd you learn about yourself making season three? Um, I learned that now that I'm in my 40s, I gain weight really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Wow, I put on weight incredibly fast now. That's Ah, that's so real, dude. It blows. I can't even. They have these like Fig Newton bars uh, (laughs) and I would have one every day after lunch. And then suddenly I'm watching dailies on the weekend and it's like, whoa, whoa, dude, holy (laughs) shit. You know, it just, it's happening so fast. Um, So that blows. I can't eat the way I want to anymore. (laughs) Uh, If I don't meditate and and that's the other thing. It's like I'm exercising. So it's not like I'm mm-hmm. not exercising. And I'm exercising. It's just that thing of like, no, man, it's like 70% of it is what you eat is true. Um, so, you know, meditating is helps me get through this stuff. Um, I need that. I need the exercise. And to try to be, I think what I learned about myself is anytime I get really stressed out and 
go into massive doubt. Um, it's like your problem solving abilities and your creative energy just it's like a, just gets turned off like a faucet. Anytime you mm. get stressed and doubt, so it's not taking on the stress of everybody else. That's what I learned this season that everyone else will go. I just I don't know, you know. Or seeing this episode, there was you know there were people initially that were like, "This is rough." Like, dude, this is really rough. Like, there's no comedy in it at all, or whatever. And can we try to find a place, to, you know, for something? And it just was like, nah, it just doesn't feel right, you know? But if you take on all that other anxiety, it can be crippling, you know? It can really, it's the same thing about getting too into like reading about the show or what people are saying or things like that, is that it can warp your perception of it because you're the only one that, you and your team, I should say, are the only ones that understand it. You got to lead those people. Mm -hmm. So. It's like you have to kind of see a thing beyond where the other people are looking, <laughs> you know, and going like, I know we're all concerned about the fire right here, but I know on the other side of this fire, it's fine. So let's just keep walking this way, you know, and having that confidence. And I feel like a couple of times this season, I didn't have that confidence and, and really leaned on other people and was kind of like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know, you know, and, when we had to do the reshoots, I was like, oh, my God, I fucked it up. And, you know, and um, and so, yeah, you need to in the space. All I just try to be as calm as possible. You know, and it's 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 hard, though, man. And 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 let the story and the people lead it. Let the characters have to lead it. It's like that. That's what has to happen. I think um, some of the feedback I've gotten on these conversations we've been having is that people really appreciate how open and transparent you are about things like reshoots and about not okay. knowing the answer and about getting confused and needing to rebuild something or reimagine it. So oh I gosh, just want to say thank you for, for doing that. Dude, we're right in season four and it, it happened yesterday where it's like, we got it. And then Alyssa Donovan, who's my assistant, read it and she just pulled one thread. <laughs> And the whole thing is and we're all going, no, <laughs> you know, and so eight o'clock this morning, I'm back there going like, oh my God, okay, what if, you know, and you can't, you got to acknowledge like this sucks, but at the same time, you got to keep moving forward, you know. The saga continues. Bill, thank yeah. you so much for everything this season. Thanks, I really man. appreciate I'm, it, man. I'm, 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 uh, I'm hoping, uh, yeah, let's do this again next season. Let's do it again next season. I'll see you then. See you, bud. Thank you so much to Bill Hader, not just for today, but for participating in this project on this feed. It's been absolutely delightful. I really appreciate it. I also really appreciate the work of our producer, Bobby Wagner, for all of his work on this episode and this whole series on Barry. Thanks for listening to the Prestige TV podcast. Stay tuned. We're covering all kinds of shows across this feed, so I hope you're listening. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.